Welcome to Deep Spirituality. We're here today to talk about our theme for several podcasts over the holidays and to help each one of us, including myself and all those involved with our faith. Uh, we have Martin and Jeanette Oji and Nick and Christina Roby joining us. Uh, and of course, our producer is here to make sure that it sounds good, works good, and is good, even if we don't do a good job. Uh, we hope you have a happy holiday and that you uh, stay safe, have an incredible time with family and friends, and at the same time, be able to take a moment out on a daily basis, we hope, uh, to be able to renew your faith, revive your faith, and draw closer to God in your relationship with Him. Um, the theme that we'll be covering today with regard to the holiday of faith is when God does the impossible, faith that makes things happen. We wanted to start off with this one because in many cases, uh, we think, or I know I think, I have faith because I believe in Jesus, or I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, or I believe in uh, the book of Acts and what they did. But believing in those things without any measurable result is problematic from a biblical point of view. If we have faith, we should be able to do and make things happen. Let me give you a bit of an introduction before we get started on this particular theme, because as I already mentioned, a holiday of faith is our theme throughout the series, and it's, it's, going, to be, uh, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Have you ever felt that? Like, man, I can't, I can't get this done. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not succeeding. I'm failing. The disciples felt that. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. In John six twenty nine, I believe we can double check that reference. The Bible talks about the fact that uh, Jesus tells us what is the work of God. And it says the work of God is to believe. I'll read it to you exactly. John six twenty eight. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. When we believe in Jesus, the Bible says that we're going to be able to take that little faith, increase it, move mountains, and there'll be nothing we take that will be impossible. Faith, like the force in Star Wars, is transformative. With the difference being, faith is real. Believing in the realness of faith can be an elusive conviction. Living in a physical, finite, and secular world makes it difficult to grasp, let alone experience, the full force of God's presence and power. Simply put, it is easier for us to imagine Luke or Ray using the force than to believe we can assert our faith with the spiritual power of an Elijah. James 5.17, Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again 
and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. James 5, 17, 18 in the Passion Translation, TPT. This Christmas comes directly before the beginning of not only the new year 2020, but a new decade as well, 2020 to 2030, though some would argue 2021 to 2031 since there's no year zero on our calendar. For our purposes, let's begin a new decade. It offers opportunities to erase the slate for not only the past year, but decade as well. Erasing is one thing, creating another. My goal and suggestion is that we not only erase the past, but create a future where we walk with God in such extraordinary ways that the world has changed. The idea of changing the world might seem like some type of motivational mantra, but I really believe it can happen. What has been true more often than not is few of us want to dream like this, imagine like this, sacrifice for this, or take the faith risk to become what we need to become so our most extraordinary possibilities become reality. That's what we want to do in Christmas of 2019 so that the next 10 Christmases are indeed extraordinary. There are a lot of people who will never read this far in the article that I'm writing or stop reading at this point or stop listening to the podcast. Those who continue with us on this journey, we have a chance to change the world. If we will make this December a holiday of faith, where we change the way we believe so that God can do in our time what he has done for his people since time began. Part C's. Stop rain. Move mountains. Raise the dead. Or in our case, like the Christians of the New Testament, change the world. As it says in Habakkuk 3, in verse 2, in the NIV, a cry of prayer that could be our own, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. O Lord, renew them in our day and our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Hopefully, as you listen to the podcast, read the content we'll be delivering on the web, you'll be able to work uh, at your faith, strengthening it and growing it so that you're able to have a holiday of faith. And so we get to the OGs and Robies. When God does the impossible, faith that makes things happen. Tell us, what did you guys learn? What do you see? What can we all benefit from? Uh, the first thing I learned in preparing for this was uh, I tend to live in denial. So in order for me to have the faith to move a mountain, I have to first acknowledge the mountain in my life. And so I have to get rid of the temptation to live in denial. And what denial does for me is it hides the fact that I feel defeated in different areas. Ah, interesting. So... That's why I end up being in denial versus actually having the faith. No, this is a mountain, but God can actually do something incredible. So the first step for me, and we discussed me and Jeanette, you know, we have to acknowledge the mountain. Then second, accept the challenge to actually change. Wait a minute. I want to stay on acknowledge that mountain for a minute. <laughs> Talk to me more about that acknowledge that mountain. I want to hear all four of you get into that acknowledge that mountain. Because when you said denial, you had me right there, you know. Denial can be a, a, a delicious dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Three meals a day. Absolutely. So, I mean, a mountain right now for for us, we just moved. We just moved from San Francisco to Albany, great city. Uh, you mean San Francisco is a great city? Albany is a great city. Oh, okay. Just want to be. <laughs> San Francisco is awesome wanted, too. I want to be clear right there. You know, <laughs> Albany is a great city, yeah. and, and and we have the privilege and honor to to lead a group there. Uh, so it's okay. So we've learned things in 2019, but there's a fear of all oh, men. Are we going to do a great job? How are we going to handle this? 
uh, the responsibility. So where's the denial come in? I'm waiting for that. The denial is, oh, I'm fine. I have faith. We can do this. Okay. Opti- like blind optimism. Okay. Like your mind change thing you always tell people. Uh, he always tells people? Yeah, he, he always doesn't goes, do it, but he tells people. It's a mind change. It's a oh, okay. mind change. So he's good at teaching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's one of them guys who teaches really, yeah. really good yeah. teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's Come great teaching. That. Thank oh, you for the great teaching. That, that stays at home. That stays I, at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, so explain to me what, you know, Jeanette, maybe you can jump in on this. I just think denial is a big deal. And so I, I kind of want more descriptions about what denial is, because sometimes even on a podcast, we have an awakening in the moment. Like you may not have thought that much about it, but I think your first uh, thoughts here are, are, are actually profound because what is the scripture you got here? Romans 418. Yes. Yeah, that that looks that looks kind of tasty and profound. I really want to dig in there. So can you tell me what you mean by denial? Like if I'm sitting if I'm driving my car right now, I'm going to work, it's five thirty in the morning, I'm tired, and I hear denial, I'm probably gonna you're gonna get my attention. And I wanna know what is it what does it mean? How do you define it? How do you experience it? How do you know if you're experiencing it? Because for many of us, we think of denial probably from a psychological point of view, but denial can be just a human, just a human experience of mind, heart, soul, physical, whatever it may be. So can you tell us a little bit more still about that? Because you say acknowledge the mountain. All right. If I'm going to acknowledge the mountain and feel free to toss these, you got some great scriptures here. Feel free to punch those in there whenever you want. But I think people need to be able to see how hard is it to acknowledge the mountain? Why do we want to avoid the mountain? So maybe you guys can jump on in. Yeah, I think I think for me, uh, when I deny the mountain, uh, the biggest one I think for me right now is my family. And so when I deny the mountain, I really deny how much I think about it or feel about it. Um, I so like right now, my brother, uh, who you know has his own health issues, yeah, physical health, emotional health, things right. like that. Um, but I can very easily live my day, my week my month, um, and not feel about it. Yes. Not think about it. Right. Um, at times that I can even just, I cannot call him or, yes. or talk to him because I so want to deny the mountain or yes. deny the feelings that I have, the sadness right. that I have, the fear that I have, that I end up, I, I push the mountain away, but I also, I push those emotions away, but then yeah. I push the relationship away. Yeah. And so to me, that's what it looks like when I'm denying the mountain. I'm, I'm really denying what I actually feel yes. what I actually think um, about these challenging things that are going on in my life. And I, I, think, you guys ought to, I think you guys ought to include that in this, this work you got going here because what you're talking about is denial can take an emotional role. Right. So, so it can be emotional. I don't know that it's always just emotional, but denial can take an emotional. If there's an emotion that I don't want, and I'm, I'm relating to you here, Nick, I'm not talking at you. Right. For me, if there's an emotion I don't want to deal with or that overwhelms me or Usually it's five at a time, right? They're coming from five different places. (laughs) Then the greatest temptation I feel in life is, can I just get relief from my stress? Mm -hmm. And in many ways, what I'm actually saying is, can I just go into denial? We've got all different kinds of names for denying and avoiding, you know, our emotions, Uh, stress. I just need to relax. If people just leave me alone so I could think. We have all these nice little phrases, but what they really are, based on what you're saying, is phrases that allow us to defend ourselves from unwanted emotions. So denial is a tool, a weapon, if you would, for keeping unwanted emotions out. And around Christmas time, 
when mm-hmm. we're looking and maybe we, we, I don't know what it is about Christmas, New Year's. It's like you collect regrets, right? <laughs> yeah. You just collect all these regrets and you're like, oh man, if I had done this, if I had done that, I love watching Christmas movies. But when I watch them, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I wish I'd done that or done thought of that or been that way. I wish I'd slept more when I was a kid. I definitely think that. Um, <laughs> so I love what you're saying here about family, about, and, and you and I both, we're in the special needs uh, family arena. Right. And so- Facing up to the fear we have or the concerns we have is very emotional, but you may be out there right now thinking about your marriage and saying, I don't know if I want to stay married to this person. And you can go into denial, being unwilling to talk about it with your spouse instead of being honest and saying, this is where I'm at. So something can happen. Let's talk more about denial. This is great. Thank you, Nick. Wow. Denial. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm stuck on the mountain and I had to run one in college and that's all I could think about. I did not like the mountain. So I try to deny it Tuesday through Sunday because uh-huh. practice was on Monday. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think denial could be like just not acknowledging how hard things are. And Good. I think maybe, you know, Nick, that's what he was saying too. But I know for for us, like, well, let's dig into that track thing a little bit more because you ran track for Fresno State, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, has Martin dealt with the fact he's the slowest person <laughs> oh, in the family yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, I really think there's a moment oh, in time. Oh, my gosh. Or is he in denial about oh, it? Actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a pretty good <laughs> oh, story no. about that. You have a pretty no. good story about that? Yes. Yes, well, you were too slow. I'm talking to you. Jeanette was talking. You always interrupt like this. You always try to interject yourself in the conversation while Jeanette's talking. Good example of denial. Well, I'm sure you have plenty. (laughs) Actually, we all do. I'm really curious about this because I ran track in middle school, not to insult you here. And I quit to play basketball only. I was only going to only play basketball because there were about three guys who were looking like they might be all state in my events oh. and they were sophomores and juniors. And I was like, well, I'm going to be looking at a really discouraging life if I run track, <laughs> you know, fifth place or whatever. And so, um, and they were really, they were phenomenal. But I, I, I consider track and field, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, running, um, um, uh, throwing, jumping, whatever it may be. One of the greatest tests of your capacity to face truth that exists. If you're on a team, you can blame somebody else. You can talk about something else. But I remember they asked me to do high jump because I I had a pretty significant vertical jump, but I'm not the size of person who typically would do high jump. Now, so I, I was like, I don't, I don't think I should be doing high jump. You know, and they're, no, 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 look, you can do it. I don't think so. No, you can really do it. So I got myself convinced, based on the encouragement, I can do this. So the first event, and we 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 competed at the same place as the high school, so they could all watch us all. So the first event, the first time I did the high jump, I get ready to go, you know, and I, I it's the entry uh, height and qualifying height, and so I I run and I'm just I'm like I'm I got this, and I get up in the air and I think I got it. And I turn, I look, I think I got it. And you know that the, the bar wiggles and then <laughs> yeah. it falls off, right? And I'm like, okay, no, nah, that was, and the coach, no, nah, you got, you almost got it. Of course, I didn't qualify, right? <laughs> because denial doesn't increase your ability to jump. Oh. <laughs> right? It doesn't do it. No. And, and so that day I decided I will never do high jump again. No one will ever convince me of that. So having run track, 
Tell us a little bit more about those mountains and how hard it is, even if you have the talent, how hard it is to to get past all the, because I think what you're talking about when things are hard, to get past all the doubt, the second guessing, and most importantly, the pain. Yeah, a lot of pain. That's why I was like, the mountain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think that you definitely have to have an amount of self-control, discipline, like just self-motivation because it's a team sport. You need the team to win a championship. Right. But you're the one that's on the line um, and has to, you know, run the race or make the throw. And it's hard. We had to run this mountain called Sky Harbor, which I wanted to go to, but I didn't know what it was. (laughs) Like I was a freshman. Yeah. And everyone went and I didn't go. And I was like, why can't I go? I'm good enough to go. And my coach is like, you're not ready. And I was like, what? So finally I was ready and I went and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) It was just an incline. And we didn't just run the beginning. We ran from the beginning to the end, which was like six, six six-ish miles. And the coach just was in the van and waited for us. Like, <laughs> Sounds so like angry. my style. That's, that's my role. I'm ready to be on a track team now. I know my role. Yeah. It was hard, though. I had to go, okay, I have to run this mountain. And So what do you do when you – and I know there are a lot of you out there, maybe you're not into sports or you're not into track and field, but sometimes I think we have to look at the things we face in life to, that are athletics, academics, whatever it may be, and, and not necessarily go to tragedy and suffering right away. And look and see that in everyday life, the everyday things we do, we can learn a lot of lessons about dealing with mountains and dealing with denial about the mountains. But what do you do when you're like two and a half into it and you realize I've got three and a half to go and my body is already seizing up or saying no? Like, it, like what, what happens then? Uh, you sometimes can see, I've never I cried. <laughs> Huh? Say it again. Sometimes I cried. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Did you ever quit? No, I really wanted to, and I was like, I would really like to blow this mountain up, but I was like, I'm 18 now, so that that wouldn't be good in my favor. Um, so I just kept going. Like I saw my teammates in front of me and behind me, and yeah. I was like, you can't, you just can't quit. And it's helped me in being a Christian. Yeah, because I literally have like a physical experience of not quitting when yeah. it's really hard. Yeah, yeah, I but love it. Hard. I love it because what you're basically saying is that denial is quitting. Oh, yes. That when someone decides to go into denial, it's basically a way to quit. So you could have on that Sky Harbor mountain, you could have easily said, oh, coach, my ankle, yeah. you know, is really or I, I, I've got a migraine or yeah. I've got, you know, you could have come up with something. And I've seen a lot of people come up with it in sports and they've like, oh, man, oh, gee, this is really it's a form of denial. So let's take a look here. We've got Nick's denial, which is emotional. So Nick nailed one and your denial is quitting. It's it's it. And if you can get past the desire to quit, to go into denial about why you can't do it, whatever is hard in your life, whether it's raising your kids, being married, working your job, working a job, you don't feel like you're getting paid enough money for whatever it is. The key is to not quit. But as soon as you start getting into quitting, you're starting to move into the arena of denial. All right, Christina, you haven't had a shot at this one. Let's get you in there. Yeah, it was making me think about how when I'm in denial, I tend to make it about other things. And so even for Nick and I, just having like moved to San Francisco, we've been like unpacking a lot of our stuff and getting more settled in. Um, and this last Monday, 
I was like, man, I really just want to get all of this housing stuff finished. I just want to put these shelves up. And I had this whole vision, my Pinterest idea of how my shelves were going to look on my wall. <laughs> and it took forever to get like the nails. And then we had to get like a screwdriver. Was that what it's called? I can't remember. But power <laughs> drill. Power, oh, drill. power drill. Now I'm Screws. concerned. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, what's drill that bits, called? Apparently. <laughs> the thing that my servants use. <laughs> a drill bit. I don't know. There's all these things that were like going to store trying to figure this out. And I'm like, I just want to get these shelves up and then I got really mad because I was like man like come on Nick I just need to get this done like help me out and and then we're like running late to go somewhere else so we're like not able to finish the shelves you know we like had a couple holes in our wall and so they were like (laughs) leaving to go somewhere else um and you know we're kind of sitting in the car driving off and it's just like silent and I'm like in my mind I'm like what is going on with me like I'm like overly angry about some shelves you know um and so after like sitting there thinking about it i was like yeah this is definitely this is definitely something else this isn't about that um and you know so later we park and then you know nick's trying to help me out like what are you feeling or like what's going on what you're like really angry over this you know and i was like yeah and i just broke down crying like i just feel i feel overwhelmed like i can be afraid of so many things and i think you know being in a new place, like although I lived in the city, like that was a couple of years back. So now coming back to this place, I'm like, I know people, but I'm like meeting new people and then getting readjusted. And I just have this insecurity of like, are people going to like me? Am I doing a good job? And that stuff can just like control me. And I, I think I didn't even realize like all of that that was going on inside. Right. So I can be like, it's Nick or it's the shelves or it's these other it things. It probably was Nick. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not really want to actually take on what do I actually feel and what's the harder thing to overcome? Because I'm like, we're going to get the shelves up, you know, it's going to happen. But I think it's harder to actually go, how do I face my fears or how do I believe, you know, that God is actually going to do something where we're at? So I have a question for you. Do you think that anger in any way could be a form of denial? Definitely, yeah. I I, think That's a new thought for me, but I was thinking about it when you were talking. Yeah, I, I don't think in the moment I realize it, but later I think it's easy to just you know, kind of channel that, that stress and those feelings somewhere else yeah. and be mad about something yeah. than, um, than being vulnerable or actually, you know, wanting to let Nick in, kind of know, like, what's going on and be able to have a conversation about it. It's easier to kind of just push you, forward you, and do Do you think stuff. you're unique in being overwhelmed? No, I don't think so. I'm I overwhelmed. That's a common feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that, that all of us feel is, is overwhelmed, and especially in the holiday season. And if you're moving, you know, you guys are moving. I mean, a lot of people would be celebrating if they were moving to San Francisco, though I will tell you that. Uh, but that wouldn't make it any less overwhelming. So, but what, we, what, we, what we're looking at here, because I'm trying to get one for you, because uh, I got, you know, Nick laid a foundation with emotional. Jeanette, you know, uh, story and, and, and description and insight gave us quitting. And I think yours is giving us avoidance. That that we, we that that one of the ways that denial happens is we avoid issues. Now I think everybody's gotten upset about putting up the shelves or <laughs> getting something done. I know I'm that way. I'm obsessive about. It. I need to finish this. If I can't finish this, then I can't move on. I can't go on with my life, you know. <laughs> and so I think everybody has that. But it's 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 the avoidance of being overwhelmed. And I like what you said that we end up blaming people, situations, whatever we can, because we don't want to deal with the overwhelming feelings. But when we're avoidant. We may not even know we're overwhelmed because we've developed a habit. I'm not saying you have, but we've developed a habit of avoiding. And once you start developing a habit of avoiding, you're perpetually unaware. Mm. And so the mountain may be right in front of you. And I'm, I'll pick your mountains kind of like um, 
you know, making making a transition during the holidays mountain, right? The mountain's right in front of you, but you're so overwhelmed by the mountain that, and I'm relating, that you zero in on the bookshelves. Because I can control, this is how I am. I can control the bookshelves. I can't control all this other crazy stuff. But if I can't control the bookshelves, I can't control anything, right? And then, mm-hmm. then life falls apart, mm-hmm. and I think that angry bubbles up. Why is that important? All of us, all of us have felt that. All of us have felt it over different things. I had to get my car in the shop. What is it? Oh, today it should be ready. Four or five days ago, someone else was driving it and, and had a little fender bender. But I was doing all this stuff, had my you know schedule all set, everything planned, and then all of a sudden it was all ripped apart. And you know, I was like, oh my god! And it was like the whole of my life became just that car. Now there's a lot of other things going on in my life that's good, but my whole life became that moment because that was the thing that was out of control. And so I think for a lot of us, we can look and we can go, wow, you know, denial can be, I don't want to face emotions Two, Denial can be, you know, I'm quitting everything I start. Mm. Denial can be, I'm avoiding what I have to take on. So we'll use Christina's example. She has to take on a big move and so she zeroes in on a small thing, right? That's normal because we, we're trying to avoid the forest and just zero mm-hmm. in on that one tree. Mm-hmm. If I can get that tree, right? And so the only one who hasn't come through for us here is Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us to the conclusion that denial is silence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I got to start it, man. I got to start it. <laughs> uh, no, you you set the table. You, I just had to. I just had to hit. I just had to hit you with one. What do you think about that one though? Isn't that true though? I mean, you're not like this. At least not in my experience. But that silence can be a form of denial. I'm Absolutely. not going to be open. I'm not going to talk. Doesn't that doesn't that sound reasonable? It's very reasonable. It happens in my marriage when again my feelings hurt rather than just be humble and say, you know, I, I felt hurt. Oh yeah, that's hard. I'm I've like, been there. I'm with you on that one. I'm just silent. And then Jeanette has told me. Martin, I'd rather you are emotional than be silent. When you're silent, I don't know what you're thinking. Right. So absolutely, silence is a, yeah. That's awesome. Pardon the interruption. I want to tell you about a new thing we got going on over at deepspirituality.net, an entirely new series on redefining, rebuilding, and transforming your faith. A Holiday of Faith is about becoming one of those rare believers whose faith fuels their belief that God can do anything. Change us, change our family, change our friends, change our community, and yes, change the world. Head over to deepspirituality.net to read the article and check out all the complimentary content. All right, back to the show. Now, see, the funny thing is, you and Nick were continuing our last podcast uh, experience, the debate between the Spurs and the who? My Kings, my Sacramento Kings. He mentioned Pelicans. Pelicans, too. (laughs) A Pelican and a King are the same thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) When you look at the NBA, a Pelican and a King, (laughs) they got no heat. Sounds right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and my man is hurt. What's his name? But, but Zion wannabe Williamson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a John Morant guy. But what I think is important on that is you keep talking about the Spurs because you keep you keep looking for ways to believe, right? Yep. Now, that's different than being a denial. Denial is they're going to make the playoffs and win the championship. But just keep fighting to believe i want to i want to move on to your next your next and i just lost it your next item 
uh, which is accept the challenge to change. All right. And you use Romans 418 mm -hmm. uh, from the message translation on acknowledge the mountain. And we didn't read that, but I want you to explain to us this accept the challenge to change. I want you to get that scripture in there. What's that scripture all about? And how can we, after dealing with the denial where we acknowledge the mountain, how can we accept the challenge to change? How's that scripture fit in and, and all that? I don't care who reads it, you or Jeanette or whoever, but let's just get that scripture out there for everybody. All right. In verse Romans 4, verse 19, it says, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Okay. And, you know, that scripture, I think after we acknowledge our mountain and not live in denial, then we have to, for me at least, I have to accept that I have to change. Like I have to change my view of God, like really digging deep and not giving in to the doubts. I know yeah. we mentioned doubts earlier. Like yeah. I have doubts that I don't want to acknowledge, face, and in order for me to change, I have to say, God, I have these doubts, but you can actually work past this. Maybe uh, Jeanette can jump in there, too, and add, because you've got this thing about asking God for help. Jeanette, that scripture, what's the scripture there? You, maybe you can get that in for everybody and talk about how asking God for help will allow us to accept the challenge to change, if that makes sense. Can you do that for us? Sure. Uh, Psalm 5.3, it says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Um, I think just accepting the challenge to change and asking God for help uh, is definitely a combination. It, it's, it's hard. It's like a risk, I think, for us accepting a challenge to change. I mean, just moving to like a new county and starting to like lead more. I'm like, that's a challenge to change. All right. Taking more responsibility. Well, you know, it's really interesting. And I'm going to come to you guys, uh, Nick and Christina, because it seems to me that this concept you've been working on about how to know if God puts someone in your life yeah. connects very well with the challenge to change. Because for me, this is how I think about change. I don't think in terms of big things, like I've got to change a lot of people or I've got to be responsible for a lot of things or I've got to figure this out. What I've learned from reading the Bible is that if I change me, everything else flows. The problem is when I start running around trying to change other people and trying to organize things and, and make lists and be on top of all this stuff, but I've not changed me. And I find that most of the difficulty in moving mountains is that we're always trying to move some other mountain besides ourselves. And to me, one of the key things would be for us to, in accepting the challenge to change, to figure out, well, what is it I need to change? One of the things I've been working on is just emotionalism. I'm very emotional. But there's a lot of things that come out of emotionalism, you know, overthinking, overreaching, overexplaining, overtalking, overworrying. Like there are all these things that come out of emotionalism. And so I've been working on that and trying to figure out, you know, how, how do I become temperate? How do I become calmer? How do I not overreact? So as, as you're talking about all these things, I'm wondering in my mind, have you guys figured out for 2020, what's that access point? What's that linchpin that if you changed you, it would change everything else? Because I don't, you guys are talking about leadership and I've led some different things in my life, both secular and spiritual. And what I've found is you can never 
lead anything when you can't lead yourself. There's a great book called The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker, and it's a classic in business. And what it talks a lot about is you have to manage yourself. And I think a lot of the emotionalism that I have and that others have, a lot of the inability to be confident, to be calm, a lot of the inability to inspire people comes because we can't inspire ourselves. So if I can't get myself motivated, why am I out there trying to get other people motivated? And what I've found oftentimes is the people that help me change the most are the people that somehow God has put into my life. And they don't have to be Christians. They can be anybody. One of the people who influenced me a lot and the way I think is a guy named Jim Collins, who's written some of the best business bestsellers. I, I was really lucky in 93, 94 to be a part of the Stanford Executive Education Program where he taught uh, for the first time on his book called Built the Last, which would be followed by Good to Great and several others. And uh, we had lunch and stuff like that. So I got to talk to him. Steve Jobs was there, too. I've talked about this a little bit before. But in reading his books and talking to him, it changed my whole view of how things are built and how things run and what type of personality is the best leader. Um, and it was all different than what I thought. And so I'm thinking about you guys, you're talking about transitions in life. Have you ever really sat down and said, the greatest mountain I have to move is the mountain in my life that's keeping me from being what I need to be? And once everybody sees me change that, then leading becomes easy because leading is all about setting an example, saying, you know, here's what I'm doing. I mean, my producer, Nathan, knows one of the best leaders of all time, Larry Bird. Well, Larry didn't talk much. He didn't yell much. He played with such an incredible example that, boom, it was, it was unbelievable. So I think example is a very powerful thing. So I'm wondering, does any of this tie into what you guys learned about how to know if God put someone in your life? Because I feel like God put Jim Collins in my life and let me sit in a room of 40, 35 people listening to Steve Jobs to change my whole view of what leadership's yeah. about and how things run. I think he's put people in my life who have become Christians. And I sit there and go, man, I'm glad that person became a Christian because they've changed my view on something uh, in, in a big, big way. A lot of the reason we have, it'll be interesting, we've got to get Dave Banks to listen to this episode, but a lot of the reason we have all of the deep spirituality stuff we have and a lot of the technology tools that we use is because he sat me down one time and said in 19, about 96, I want to say, he said, you got to grab a hold of this, the internet, and start utilizing it to help people. But if he, did, if he hadn't become a Christian, and hadn't sat me down at, at lunch and said, you got to do this, I might never have done it. And so I think God brings people into your life uh, for a reason. What, what, did, what did you guys learn as you were going through that? Yeah, so I think, I mean, one of the things that you were talking about that, that I've been learning as I'm looking at this is how much God really is focused and cares about people and about relationships. And it's something that I knew in my mind, uh -huh. but I haven't taken seriously how much God really cares about relationships in the sense of, when a relationship starts, begins, happens in my life, God doesn't do that just nonchalant. Yeah, He doesn't just throw things together. Interesting. He's really he he's focused. He really cares. He's intentional. And I think too often I miss that because I'm so focused on myself. Yeah, I'm looking at me. I'm not looking at God and what God is thinking, what God is feeling, what God cares about. Right. I just care about me. Right. And as I've been looking at this, I realized the thing that really stops me from having a faith that sees God, a faith that sees what God sees, uh -huh. is because I'm so self-focused, self-consumed, selfish, that um, that I, I I just can't even have that kind of faith. Now, now you, you got any scripture to back all that up? Uh, I mean, uh, the one that comes to mind is James 4 and, and verse 3. It says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. 
You want only what will give you pleasure. And so I see like, man, God is willing to do anything. He's willing to move incredible mountains. Um, but really what he he is looking for is 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 my heart aligned with his to be able to move a mountain in a way that he's going to love people, that's going to impact relationships, um, that is going to inspire people. It's really about love. And if my motive is impure, yeah. if my motive is about myself, yep. then then I actually keep God from being able to move. I believe you. Um, I want more so. scripture, though. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for some scripture, man. You gave me one, but I need more than that, man. You gave me like a celery stick. I have one I can share. <laughs> Get in there, Christina. That's what you got to um, yeah. do. You got to step in. This one is one that helps me a lot because it's Acts 17, 26 through 28. Okay. It says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. So I like this one a lot because I feel like, like Nick was saying, I can make things a lot about myself and my abilities and am I capable and able right? and not see that I'm just a player. Like God has put you're all of player. this together. She's a player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a player in the game. All right, Snoop. Um, <laughs> all right, Snoop. We're going to have a player. Uh, um, yeah, Get the jizzle with it. I know. It's not really my style, but. Um. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. We're just, we're just you know, you got to keep it light around here. It gets kind of intense. So yeah. I love what you're saying. It's yeah, fantastic. I make things really intense. So I think that's why it's helpful for me to know it's not my show. Like, it's actually God's. Like, yeah. he kind of, he orchestrated all of this. So what and are you so, supposed to do? I love that. But then given that God's orchestrated all of this, what should we be doing in our life as we walk around every day? I mean, I, I think I overcomplicate it. I think it's actually really simple. I think uh -huh. God just wants me to like love other people. Yeah, yeah. And be interested in them. Do you think God wants us to appreciate every single person we meet? That he wants to value every single person we see? That if he actually is doing what you said, which I believe you, that every time we walk down the street, every time we come out of our house, every time we drive our car, we should be looking at the people around us and thinking, God put this person in my life. God has brought this person into my path. Whether it's a homeless person, whether it's a wealthy person, whether they're highly affluent or they're poor, whatever may be the case, that we have to value people. Because if God's going through all the trouble to do what you said, to connect us with people, I actually think if we look, I'm just listening to you. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. I'm listening to what you're saying. I actually think you guys both kept talking about, you know, you think about yourselves. Well, the reason we think about ourselves, and you're not unique, we all do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all are, I always say I'm the center of my own motion picture movie, and everybody else is just a, a bit actor, character actor, or, you know, or a supporting actor. But the reality is I think we become less selfish, not by working on selfishness, we become less selfish by looking around and being aware of all the people God has put in our life. And if you're walking down the street and you're thinking, the reason I met this person is they're going to help me become something that I could not be otherwise. And I think a lot of times people who are Christians walk around going, well, that person's saved and that person's lost or that person's going to hell, that person's going to heaven. I don't think it's how Jesus is walking around. I think if you look at Jesus, just one incredible time where he touches a leper, where more than one, but he touches a leper. And when you think about the idea that he valued that guy enough to make physical contact at the risk of his own life by faith not capable of catching leprosy, but when you think about that, you realize he touched people, he, 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 he consoled 
comforted and rescued people. The woman whose son had died, her only son, he touches the coffin. The whole funeral comes to a stop because he he didn't believe he was running into people for no purpose. Zacchaeus up in a tree. He looks up and says, come on down. I'll have dinner at your house, valuing every person he saw. So I wonder if some of what you're saying is the reason we're selfish is we're ignoring all the people God is putting into our lives. Does that make any I mean, is that what you're trying to say? Or not trying to say you said it, but is that is that a decent response to how, what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I think I think when I'm going through life, I can either be like we're talking about thinking about myself and what I have to get done. But that's like a really kind of empty way of living. Because if I actually go, like if I go to the grocery store and I'm, you know, interested in the person that's standing there that I'm, you know, they're mm-hmm. getting my groceries. I sometimes I like to ask, you know, how's your day going or how are you? And right. Sometimes people are almost kind of shocked, you know, like that you <laughs> ask them or they're kind of like, oh, like, yes. you know, someone's actually looking at me or thinking about me and, so I think it's what you're talking about. Like, that's how Jesus interacted with people. And he actually, he was, it wasn't just to get something from them. Yeah. It, it was enriching for him, but I think for them, like, to know that you have value and people are interested and people care. Um, so, cool. Yeah. So Nick, you, you know, you were talking about this because you got us kind of rolling on this. Remember when you were in college, you know, and, and you, you went to graduate school, so you, you took on a little bit of extra. <laughs> um, do you, I think I know you well enough to ask this question and know what the answer is going to be. If I if it's if I get it if it's wrong, then I'll, it'll mess up my point here. But uh, I don't think I'm wrong. I look at you as a guy who enjoyed college, mm-hmm. who yeah. liked going and and just running into people, hearing professors talking to people. And isn't it a little bit that when you're in college, it, not that you have to go to college for this, you could get a job out of high school and work in a place and have the same experience. But college is unique, and that it's this almost this social melting pot. Mm-hmm where all these people come together and everybody you sit next to. When I, I remember when I went to college, I'd never met people from New Jersey, Long Island. I'd never heard of Bruce Springsteen, then called the boss. Right. I didn't know a frap was, I didn't know what that was. I, I wanted a, a chocolate shake. I didn't, and then it, it took me about 10 minutes for them to figure out I was asking for a frap in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different things that I didn't know. And it was exciting to me. Yeah, Isn't it a little bit that maybe some of us don't understand that like college, life should be exciting every day with the people you meet and talk to yeah yeah definitely no i mean i was even i mean thinking back to it i remember being so excited for just that fact that yeah. the first thing i went to was actually really boring it was the it was the president's speech okay right? and so okay. everyone your parents are there we won't tell them where you went there. to undergrad and because <laughs> they i don't want to offend the president and lose him his job that's, that's but right, that's i right. know where you went so i understand <laughs> yeah. what's going on there yeah, yeah. And i've just made a judgment about that president <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was the president's speech and a lot of a lot of students even like didn't go to it you yeah. know what i mean but there's a decent amount of people that were there yeah and uh and and one of my well, he ended up being one of my best friends. We're like brothers now. His name is Scott. Um, the first time I ever saw him or met him was because he was passed out asleep next to me during this president's speech. And, um, and we, we got a bottle what that president has. We got a bottle of that and call it Presitonin. Exactly. Not melatonin. Presitonin. We exactly. gotta get that. He's got another. He, exactly. When he retires from president, he can become a bottled expert in sleep. That's it. That's Hypnosis. It. That's it. But yeah, but so, wow. but yeah, so Scott, Scott, he was he was passed out. We actually called him Sleepy Scott. 
Sleepy and, Scott. And, and he hated it because it was the first day of college and he wanted, you know, he's gonna a hate new you reputation, this up. right? Oh. And then oh. now, Sleepy now Scott. his new reputation is Sleepy Scott. I Anyhow. know him. When I see him, I'm going to say, what's up? What's up, C? What's up, S squared? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it was crazy that that like a president's speech, right? That, was, that wasn't that was that entertaining. Yeah, I was wearing. Yeah. Now became so exciting, right? Because yes. there was this person who I never met before. Yes. He's like asleep right here. Yes. Um, I wanted to get to know him, right? Yes. We ended up becoming best friends, right? Oh, now boys. I can tell this story. Like it's an exciting thing to look back on, even though at the time it was really boring. Yes. But when you're there and, you're, and you see like, the the opportunity of relationship or the potential of getting to meet new people and know new people get new connections yes it does make life way more i think that's why college is so exciting don't you guys i mean i i actually think sometimes we got to go back to that i even think you know some of college is wasted on college students because they <laughs> yeah. don't understand when you get out trouble's coming you know? <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. People are I, people come to me. Like, I can't wait to get out. I go. You will. You will. Probably not a day goes by. I don't want to go back. <laughs> get in the dorm. Let them make food for me. You know what I'm right, saying? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Have no responsibilities except the test. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It feels so terrible back in the day, but now I go give me as many tests as you mm-hmm. want because <laughs> the test of life after college is harder than any test you'll ever take. But I think we should all have this spirit of saying, you know what, when we look at mountains and I look at the four things you guys are talking about today, acknowledge the mountain, uh, accept the challenge to change, ask God for help. It sort of gets down to number four that's in closing, the risk of faith. That the risk of faith is, even though we may not think it for you, Nick, you talked to Scott. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us, the greatest risk we can take is social contact. Of, of Instead of sitting there and saying, is this person smarter than me? Is this person better than me? Uh, what is this person thinking of me? Opening your mouth and saying, that's a friend to be made. And I think when you look at Jesus, and they said he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, Jesus was constantly valuing people, looking at people. And so when we get down to this topic that you guys have, 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 uh, have put together uh, for our podcast and that you're going to be preparing studies for when God does the impossible faith that makes things happen. I know for me, I would never become a Christian except a guy who was really good in basketball, came into my class, caught my attention and we became friends. I had no interest in God, but it was the friendship that changed things. And I wonder, instead of us thinking about the mountain is, you know, I want to own this. I want to buy this. I want to be in charge of that. I want to be known for this. I want to succeed at that. Maybe the first mountain we have to acknowledge is we're not really thinking about people. Mm -hmm. We're not really walking around like Christina said with an Act 17 mindset saying, hey, I just met that person for a reason. Years and years ago, I'll end with this story. Nathan, who's our producer and has driven me into the podcast more than anyone else, he was nine years old, and we were practicing for our basketball team that we were in a league for here in the Bay Area. Um, and I remember I saw him, and I knew he played sports because him and his dad and I are really good friends. Uh, and I walked up to him, and I started talking to him at nine. And I said, hey, do you like basketball? And he said, time. He said, I like baseball better. And I said, well, you know, I'd been watching him shoot from across the court, and I could tell that basketball physically for him would be a good sport. So I went over there and I said, you should think about basketball. He never did listen to that, by the way. <laughs> would be in the NBA right now, and he could help out the Spurs. Oh, <laughs> come on, Nate. Yeah, see, if the Spurs are losing, because Nate was supposed to be coming up. And Nate Kawhi Leonard. But anyway, um, years later, 
uh, he wasn't interested in God at all. Uh, and he was a, one of the people around my son, my oldest son's age. And I got him into something called Double Edge Muleto Study. But I remembered him from, from those years. And it's amazing the friendship we've had. But the reason that he caught my attention was not the basketball. It was because these podcasts needed to happen. And no one has been a bigger fan and a bigger creator and thinker about podcasts. But it's funny, if you ignore a nine-year-old even, it can mm-hmm. cost you. Mm-hmm. And so we need to think about mountains as people before we start thinking about mountains as money and possessions and right. all that. Yeah. This holiday season could be really awesome. Maybe you go for Christmas and there's not a gift for you under the tree. Mm. Well, remember, people are the gift that you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy the people. And I know I don't always do that. This should be a holiday of faith. That's what we want to encourage you to have. Thanks to the OGs and the Robies for joining us on Spirituality Podcast. Check out more content on our website. Uh, there will be links in the show notes to all the things we mentioned, books and everything else. Uh, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you listening. Give us five stars if you don't mind. If you liked it, give us five stars. And as I always say, if you didn't like us, give us five stars too. Why not? It was an encouraging and nice thing to do. Thanks a lot. This is Deep Spirituality, and we're out.